Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... Psychopomps. It is. Do you know anything about psychopomps? Nope. Nope, you've got no idea what I'm on about, have you? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Right, before we get into the stories and the introduction, we have a little bit of news to share. Um, For those who don't know, George... My middle son, Toby's big brother, had a really bad accident in April of this year. Um, He fell from a second-story roof. He's got head injury and various other injuries, but he's doing really well. He's got loads of intense therapy at the moment. Yeah, because it was was a really bad fall. So he was put in a coma, intubated, you know, put on life support and things like that. He came round, which was amazing because we didn't know whether he would or not, but both of us are both Toby and I are very fragile at the moment yeah so we just want to take a bit of a breather um because it's yeah it's really affected us and sometimes it's not until a while after the fact I think you find that how much it has affected you because you kind of live on your adrenaline so we're gonna have a couple of weeks break but what we're gonna do is release some of the Wednesday whispers that are released on Patreon. So there'll still be something to listen to each week on a Thursday and Sunday. For Patreon, we're just going to pause it for a few weeks until we're back. So we're hoping to have our first 
episode back on the 16th, which is the Patreon one, and the 17th of August, which could be quite exciting because it's um, Ghost Month, Chinese Ghost Month and the Ghost Festival. So that's kind of where we are at the moment. We obviously really love doing the podcast, but we just need a bit of downtime to sort of digest and deal deal with the stuff that's been going on. Right, we've got a review to read. Blue Lily, sweet and scary, like caramel and sea salt. Mother and son, tea warms the heart while they, their well-researched and well-written stories scare your socks off. Love this podcast. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Blue Lily. <laughs> My tongue keeps getting in the way. Blue Lily 13. We really appreciate that you left that review for us. Right. Psychopomps. So, this had me on a little bit of a mission, actually. Because at the moment, they, they're naming heat waves. So, you know the, the, the heat wave in Europe at the moment? Yeah. They've decided to give them names, although the people are squabbling Isn't over it. that meant for, like, thunderstorms? Yeah, they normally do it with storms. Um, and they do that because they, they, you know, they have a beginning and an end to when the storms happen. Um, so there's all, all this sort of stuff going on about naming the heat waves. But anyway, they have named one of the heat waves and they've called it Sharon. Now, Sharon is a psychopomp known as the ferryman. So Rog was like, because we're both into the ferryman and folklore and stuff like that. And I've read some really good books with a ferryman in them. So I was like, yes, let's do the ferryman. So then I find out about all the other psychopomps. So I've done a really long introduction. So today's episode will be really long introduction about uh, death angels, basically. That's what they are. And then I've got quite a short story. Just a little warning that the trigger warning, the short story at the end, does involve somebody having breast cancer. So if that is a trigger for somebody, I would say don't listen to that one. So it's really short and um, it's a fairly nice story, but it is obviously sad. Okay, are you ready for the introduction? Yes, I am. In Greek mythology... Charon, also known as the Ferryman of Hades, holds a prominent place as the guardian and transporter of the souls of the deceased across the river Styx. This legendary figure plays a crucial role in the afterlife beliefs of the ancient Greeks, offering a fascinating glimpse into their mythology and understanding of death. According to myth, the river Styx forms the boundary between the mortal realm and the underworld, where the souls of the dead reside. To reach the realm of Hades, the god of the underworld, one had to cross the river Styx. This is where Charon came into play. He was tasked with ferrying the souls of the deceased across the river, allowing them to enter the realm of the dead. Depictions of Charon often show him as a grim and aged figure, with a long, unkempt beard and tattered clothing. He was commonly portrayed as a solitary and silent figure, holding a pole or an oar, standing next to his small boat. The boat itself was said to be old and worn, symbolic of its countless journeys back and forth across the river Styx. 
Charon's role was not to be taken lightly. In Greek mythology, it was believed that the souls of the dead had to pay a fee to Charon for his services. This fee, known as a noble, was typically placed in the mouths of the deceased before their burial. Those who could not afford the fee were doomed to wander the shores of the river Styx for a hundred years, unable to cross into the realm of the dead. The river Styx holds a prominent place in ancient Greek mythology. It is often portrayed as a dark and mysterious river that leads to Hades. The legends and symbolism associated with the river Styx have captivated imaginations for centuries. In Greek mythology, the river Styx is said to have derived its name from the goddess Styx, who personified the river itself. She was a daughter of Oceanus and Tethius, and a prominent figure among the Titans. One of the most famous stories involving the river Styx is the mythological tale of Achilles. According to the legend, Achilles, the mighty Greek hero of the Trojan War, was dipped into the river Styx by his mother Thetis, holding him by his heel. As a result, his entire body became invulnerable, except for the spot where she held him, hence the term Achilles' heel. Ultimately, the fateful arrow that struck Achilles during the war hit his vulnerable heel, leading to his demise. The river Styx is often depicted as a boundary between the land of the living and the land of the dead. It's described as a dark and turbulent river with its waters possessing magical properties. Drinking from or being immersed in the Styx was believed to grant powers of invincibility. In some myths, heroes like Hercules and Theseus were said to have crossed the river and gained superhuman strength as a result. Across cultures and throughout history, the concept of psychopomps or spiritual guides that escort souls to the afterlife has been a prevalent and fascinating aspect of mythology and folklore. These otherworldly beings, often depicted as deities, animals or even humans, play a crucial role in bridging the gap between the realms of the living and the dead. Let us embark on a journey around the world to explore some of the most intriguing psychobombs and the legends that surround them. The legend of Hebei Wuchang, also known as the Black and White Impermanence, is a tale which is deeply rooted in Chinese folklore and mythology. Hebei Wuchang refers to two supernatural beings, one dressed in black and the other in white who are responsible for escorting souls to the afterlife. According to the legend, Hebei Wuchang were originally two mortals, Zhang Qing and Yin Hong, who lived during the Song Dynasty. Zhang Qing was a kind-hearted doctor, while Yin Hong was a ruthless and wicked executioner. When both men died, their souls were recruited by the underworld, to become Hebei Wuchang, tasked with maintaining the balance between life and death. Hebei Wuchang are often depicted as ghost-like figures wearing Taoist robes. The black impermanence, Sanquing, 
has a fierce expression and carries a brush, while the white impermanence, Yin Hong, has a gentle expression and carries a tablet. They are known to appear at night, wandering through villages and cities, searching for souls that reach the end of their earthly lives. It's believed that Yi Bai Wu Chang can be summoned through rituals or prayers to assist in matters related to death in the spirit realm. People often seek their help to guide the souls of deceased loved ones to the afterlife or to resolve issues related to restless spirits. It's also customary in some regions of China to offer food, incense and paper money to appease Yi Bai Wu Chang and ensure the smooth transition of souls. One popular story tells of a young scholar named Wang Zi who encountered the two impermanent beings whilst wandering in a remote mountain. He was lost and exhausted and the black and white impermanence appeared to guide him safely back home. In gratitude, Wang Zi composed a poem praising their benevolence and the legend of He Bai Wu Chang spread further. He Bai Wu Chang's significance goes beyond being mere symbols of death. They represent the delicate balance between good and evil, justice and mercy, guiding souls to their rightful destinations. Their presence in Chinese culture serves as a reminder of the inevitability of death and the importance of leading a virtuous life. Shinigami, a term originating from Japanese folklore, refers to a supernatural being that is often associated with death and the afterlife. The word Shinigami translates to death god or death spirit, and its origins can be traced back to ancient Japanese mythology and beliefs. In Japanese folklore, it's believed that when a person dies, their soul is guided to the afterlife by a Shinigami. These beings are said to be responsible for the process of death, ensuring that souls pass on from the mortal realm to the spiritual realm smoothly. Shinigami are often depicted as spectral figures or as skeletal entities, carrying a scythe or a traditional Japanese sickle, known as a kama. The concept of Shinigami has been popularised and romanticised in various forms of media, including literature, anime, manga and films. One of the most notable examples is the manga and anime series Death Note, which centres around a Shinigami named Ryuk. In this story, a death god drops a powerful notebook called the Death Note into the human world, leading to a chain of events involving a high school student who gains the ability to kill anyone by writing their name in the notebook. Shinigami are often portrayed as enigmatic and mysterious beings with their own set of rules and motivations. They are neither good nor evil, but rather exist as neutral entities that carry out their duties without personal bias. While they are associated with death, they are not depicted as malevolent or malicious beings. Instead, they are seen as guardians or guides, ensuring that the natural cycle of life and death is maintained. In Japanese culture, Shinigami also hold a significant place in various religious and spiritual practices. 
They are often revered and respected, with some people even praying to them for protection or guidance. Shinigami are also believed to have the ability to influence the lifespan of individuals, appearing to those whose time is near and guiding them towards their final journey. Diana, the Persian psychopomp, holds a significant place in mythology and the religious beliefs of ancient Persia. As a psychopomp, Diana is responsible for guiding the souls of the deceased to the afterlife and ensuring their safe journey. In Zoroastrianism, the ancient Persian religion founded by the prophet Zoroaster, Diana is often associated with the concept of Fravashi, which represents the internal essence of an individual. The Fravashi, believed to exist before birth and continue after death, serves as a guardian spirit throughout a person's life and assists in the journey to the afterlife. Diana is described as a radiant and ethereal being, often depicted as a beautiful maiden with wings or as a winged creature. She possesses an intimate knowledge of the spiritual realms and acts as a compassionate guide, leading souls through the various stages of the afterlife. According to Zoroastrian beliefs, after death, souls are judged based on their thoughts, words and actions during their earthly existence. The righteous souls are led by Diana to the realm of paradise, known as the House of Song, where they will reside in eternal bliss. Those who led immoral lives, however, are led by another psychopomp named Asti Wahad to the House of Lies, a realm of punishment and torment. Diana's role as a psychopomp is not only limited to guiding souls, she also serves as a protector and intercessor, shielding the souls from evil entities and ensuring their safe passage. It is said that she possesses the power to ward off demons and negative forces, providing solace and comfort to the departed. In ancient Egyptian mythology, Anubis is a prominent deity associated with death, mummification and the afterlife. He is often shown as a man with the head of a jackal or a full jackal form. Anubis holds a significant place in Egyptian culture and mythology, playing a crucial role in the journey of the soul after death. According to Egyptian beliefs, when a person dies, their soul would be guided to the afterlife by Anubis. He was responsible for weighing the deceased heart against the feather of Maat, the goddess of truth and justice. This judgment took place in the hall of Maat, and it determined whether the soul would be granted eternal life or devoured by Amit, a fearsome creature with the body of a lion, the head of a crocodile, and the hindquarters of a hippopotamus. Anubis also played a vital role in the mummification process. He oversaw the embalming and preservation of the deceased's body, ensuring that it was prepared for the journey to the afterlife. Anubis was believed to have invented the art of mummification and passed down his knowledge to the priests and embalmers of ancient Egypt. The origin of Anubis can be traced back to the earliest periods of Egyptian history. He was initially associated with the god 
Wepwawet, who was depicted as a wolf or a jackal and was considered the guide of the pharaohs in their military campaigns. Over time, Anubis emerged as a distinct deity, assuming his role in the underworld and becoming one of the most revered gods in the Egyptian pantheon. Anubis has a complex mythology and was often connected with other deities and myths. In some stories, he was the son of Osiris and Nepthius, while in others, he was the son of Ra and Nepthius. Anubis had a close association with Osiris, the god of the afterlife, as he helped Osiris in his resurrection after his murder by his brother Set. Although Anubis was primarily associated with death and the afterlife, he was not feared or viewed as an evil god. Instead, he was seen as a protector and guide, ensuring that the deceased found their way to the Field of Reeds, a paradise in the afterlife where they could live eternally in peace and happiness. The Valkyries, a legendary group of female figures from Norse mythology, hold a prominent place in the tales of the Viking Age. These beings were believed to be powerful and beautiful warrior maidens who served Odin, the chief god of the Norse pantheon. According to Norse mythology, the Valkyries were tasked with the sacred duty of selecting fallen warriors from battlefields and guiding them to the afterlife. They were often shown as riding through the skies on horseback or soaring on the wings of swans, searching for brave and worthy souls to join the ranks of Odin's chosen warriors in Valhalla, the great hall of the slain. The Valkyries were not only responsible for choosing the fallen, but they also played a crucial role in deciding the outcome of battles. Legends tell of these fierce maidens descending onto the battlefield, wielding their spears and shields, and inspiring warriors with their presence. It was believed that their appearance on the field could turn the tide of battle, granting victory to the side favoured by Odin. Capable of making decisions and shaping the course of events, they were known to possess the power of prophecy and were associated with fate and destiny. Their ability to foresee the outcome of battles and determine the fate of warriors gave them an aura of mystique and reverence. In Native American mythology, the raven is often associated with the role of a psychopomp, a spiritual guide that helps souls transition from the earthly realm to the afterlife. This enigmatic bird holds a significant place in the spiritual beliefs and folklore of various Native American tribes across North America. The raven's association with death and the afterlife stems from its ability to navigate between different realms. It's believed that the raven possesses a deep understanding of the spirit world and can communicate with both the living and the deceased. As a psychopomp, the raven acts as a guide, leading the souls of the departed to their final destination. Across different tribes, the raven is often shown as a trickster figure, mischievous and unpredictable. Its antics and cleverness are believed to be a reflection of its wisdom and ability to navigate the complex path between life and death. The raven is also seen as a shapeshifter, capable of assuming human form 
to guide and assist the living. In the mythology of the Pacific Northwest tribes, the raven plays a prominent role as a creator and transformer. It's said that the raven brought light to the world, stole the sun, moon and stars, and shaped the land and animals. In these stories, the raven's transformative abilities are closely tied to its role as a psychopomp. Among the tribes of the Great Plains, such as the Lakota, Dakota and Cheyenne, the raven is revered as a powerful spiritual messenger. It's believed to carry messages between the living and the deceased, acting as a conduit for communication with the spirit world. The raven's distinctive calls are interpreted as messages from the ancestors, guiding and protecting the community. In the mythology of the Inuit people of the Arctic regions, the raven is seen as a mediator between the living and the dead. It's believed to possess the ability to travel freely between the different realms and assist the souls of the deceased on their journey. The Inuit also associate the raven with the concept of reincarnation, believing that the bird carries the souls of the departed back to the earth in new form. The symbolism and significance of the raven as a psychopomp vary among different Native American tribes, but its role as a guide and messenger between worlds remains consistent. The raven's intelligence, adaptability and connection to the spirit realm make it a revered and respected figure in Native American mythology. In West African mythology, Ishu, also known as Ilegba or Isu, is a complex and multifaceted deity who serves as a psychopomp. Ishu is predominantly worshipped by the Yoruba people of Nigeria, Benin and Togo. Ishu is often depicted as a trickster figure, embodying both benevolent and mischievous qualities. He is known as the messenger of the gods, the guardian of the crossroads and a mediator between humans and the spirit world. As a psychopomp, Ishu facilitates the journeys of souls after death, ensuring they reach their proper destination in the afterlife. In Yoruba cosmology, the world is believed to consist of two interconnected realms, the physical realm, known as I, and the spiritual realm, known as Urun. Ishu acts as a bridge between these realms, maintaining harmony and balance. He's believed to possess the ability to open and close pathways, allowing communication and interaction between humans and the spirit world. Ishu is often associated with crossroads, which are considered sacred spaces in Yoruba culture. These crossroads represent points of potential transformation, decision-making and encounters with the divine. Ishu is believed to reside at these crossroads, where offerings and prayers are made to seek his guidance and blessings. Ishu is typically shown as a young man wearing a red cap, carrying a staff and adorned with cowrie shells and other symbolic elements. He's often portrayed as a liminal figure, with one half of his face painted white and the other black, representing the duality of human existence and the balance between light and dark. In rituals and ceremonies, Ishu is honoured with offerings such as palm wine, kola nuts and other traditional foods. 
It's important to appease Ishu and maintain a harmonious relationship with him to ensure his guidance and protection. Failure to acknowledge and respect Ishu can result in misfortune or obstacles in one's life. Azrael, also known as Angel of Death, holds a significant place in various religious and spiritual traditions. While the concept of an angel responsible for the transition from life to death appears in different cultures, Azrael specifically holds prominence in Islamic and Jewish teachings. He's often seen as a compassionate figure. Azrael's role extends beyond mere mortality, encompassing themes of guidance, mercy and the afterlife. In Islamic tradition, Azrael is known as Malak al-Mu'at, which translates to Angel of Death. According to Islamic beliefs, Azrael is responsible for separating the soul from the body at the time of death. It's said that he gently removes the soul from the physical vessel, ensuring a peaceful transition into the afterlife. Azrael is believed to possess vast knowledge of the human lifespan, recording birth and death dates, as well as the deeds performed during one's lifetime. This knowledge reinforces the Islamic concept of predestination, where each person's fate is already determined. Despite the association with death, Azrael is often depicted as a compassionate and merciful angel. Islamic teachings emphasise that Azrael does not cause death, but rather carries out God's command. His role is to guide souls to the realm of the dead where they await judgment. Azrael is believed to approach each soul with care and empathy, regardless of the person's faith or deeds in life. This portrayal highlights the Islamic belief in divine mercy and the impartiality of Azrael's duties. Azrael's depiction and interpretation vary across different cultures and religious beliefs. In popular culture, Azrael is sometimes portrayed as a grim and malevolent figure, inducing fear and dread. However, the traditional understanding of Azrael emphasises his compassionate nature and the guidance he provides during the transition from life to death. In Filipino culture, there are Anitu, which are ancestral spirits. And when the dying call out to their ancestors, they appear and wait at the foot of the bed to retrieve the souls soon after death and escort them to the afterlife. The Grim Reaper, often depicted as a skeletal figure shrouded in a dark cloak, is a symbol associated with death and the afterlife. Across cultures and throughout history, the Grim Reaper has taken various forms and names, representing the universal concept of mortality. The origins of the Grim Reaper can be traced back to ancient civilizations, such as Greek mythology. The god Thanatos personified death and was often shown as a winged being carrying a sword. Similarly, in Roman mythology, the god Pluto ruled over the realm of dead, wielding a bident. These early depictions foreshadowed the imagery associated with the Grim Reaper. The concept of the Grim Reaper transcended Europe, reaching other cultures around the world. In Mexican folklore, La Santa Murta, or the Holy Death, is a female skeletal figure associated with death and protection. In Hinduism, the god Yama, 
often portrayed as a dark figure with a noose, is responsible for guiding souls to the afterlife. These diverse representations of death personify the universal experience of mortality and the belief in the afterlife. The Grim Reaper's association with death extends beyond its visual representation. In folklore and literature, the Reaper is often shown as an impartial and inevitable force, coming to claim souls when their time has come. The image of the Reaper, appearing at the end of one's life to guide them into the unknown, serves as a reminder of the fleeting nature of human existence. While the Grim Reaper's image may evoke feelings of fear and unease, it also serves as a reminder to cherish life and make the most of our limited time on Earth. It prompts us to reflect on our mortality and contemplate the mysteries of the afterlife. The Grim Reaper, in all its forms and representations, stands as a timeless symbol, inviting us to ponder the profound questions surrounding our own mortality and the journey that lies beyond. These are just a few examples of the diverse psychopomps found across cultures worldwide. Although their forms and roles may vary, the underlying concept remains the same, to guide and protect souls on their journey beyond the mortal realm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the Filipino psychopomps are ancestors that come to get you. Um. I don't know if I told you that about this, but before Grandad Cocker passed away, yeah, he kept seeing his nan even before he got poorly. Actually, even before he had his fall, he kept seeing my gran, sort of waiting for him. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was lovely. I'm about to cry. I'm not going to cry. We don't do crying. <laughs> um, yeah, and he kept seeing her, which I thought was really lovely because it's just comforting and nice. Grim Reaper. Do you know what I always think of when I think about psychopomps? I don't know if you've seen it. Final Destination. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's when they kind of cheat death because they they change their plans and don't go on the plane or don't do this on the road. Um, So they cheat death so he comes for them. That's what the film's about. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good concept. Pretty good idea. Well, for a film, you know. Um, Death Note. Have you watched that? Yeah. Yeah. That's obviously about a psychopomp. And he's the god who comes down to, to collect the souls of the people that are written in the book. Yeah. It's a really interesting subject. 
and like I keep saying with the other ones when I get highly excited that we will look at some of these in depth a little bit later on in the podcast not today but in the future right are you ready for the short story yes I am all of this is true this isn't a made up story for upvotes this isn't exaggerated for dramatic effect This is an actual thing that happened to me and my family and I still can't explain it. When I was eight years old, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. She refused chemotherapy and other treatments and decided to just let go. The night before she was diagnosed with cancer, she laid in bed alone. My dad was out of town, I think. Can't remember. It was years ago. Right before she was going to fall asleep, she said her door started to creak. She saw a tall, pale man in a dark suit and a black top hat. He said, See you soon. The very next day, she was told she had cancer and she wasn't going to live much longer. It wasn't long after she was diagnosed before she started to see the man in black. My mum would sit in the living room. She would get a feeling, the feeling of a presence. She would look out the window and see a man in a black cloak walk across the porch. She saw this man all the time, constantly. She told my dad and he didn't believe her. He thought she might be hallucinating since she was very sick. But then one day, my mum, my dad and I were sitting watching TV in the living room. My mum whispered to my dad, The man in black is about to come. I can sense his presence. As I was watching TV, I saw a shadow on the front porch out of the corner of my eye. I jumped up and ran to the door and no one was there. After that, my dad believed that the man in black was real. They had never even told me about a man in black and yet I still saw him. The day my mum died, I was nine years old and I was fast asleep in my bed. My mum was on her deathbed. The rest of the family was asleep. My mum was always afraid of dying alone. She didn't want to die alone. As she was taking her last breaths, My dad held her hand. My dad was shocked. The door opened up and in came a man in a black cloak. He held my mum's other hand and when she finally passed, the man in black disappeared into thin air. My dad is still in shock. After my mum died, I would still sometimes see the man in black walking across the front porch. I could feel when he was about to come, just like my mum. My mum thought it was her guardian angel. She felt comfortable with him, but he still scared the hell out of me. Every time I saw him, I was stunned with fear. After a year or so, I never saw him again. I'm agnostic, but when I talk religion with my dad, he always says, the only reason I'm still a Christian is because I believe that man was the angel of death. Yeah, so some people think they can see the essence sort of move up out of the body, you know? It's like that film, White Noise, and, and like, yeah, they they see it moving up. Or Ghost, yeah. the old film Ghost, that was out when I was a teenager. And you see them come for the soul, whether it's good or bad, depends which ones you get, you know? Um, I think it's lovely. I can't actually talk about this today because I'm feeling a bit, in a bit fragile. So I think we'll just leave it there. That's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed. 
we'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks time yeah um if you can bear with us when we just have this little break to get our heads together that would be lovely and we will catch you on the other side take care everyone goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.